candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Oh, welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Welcome to the candy shop. Oh, feel like we going through mad things. Gotta keep it real when they choose not. We gon' talk about it when the news drop. Welcome to the show where you know we don't fake this. Keep your opinion to yourself if it don't make sense. Hola, podcast family. It's your girl, Candidly Kristen, and this is The Candid Shop, your number one destination for candid conversations. Tonight, I am super duper excited to be sitting down for a candid chat about learning differences with author, certified grief support specialist, educational therapist, and CEO slash founder of Beautiful Minds LLC, Miss Choice Simmons. Welcome, 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 Choice, back to the Candy Shop. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So great to be here. So guys, Choice was one of my guests on a previous episode, actually the last episode of my last season on Grief and Grieving, but I really wanted to bring her back for a one-on-one chat because She also helps families with children that have learning differences, and I love that. Um, Navigate the special education maze to get their children the services and support they deserve. So let's let's get into it. Now, y'all know I'm a researcher and a stats person, so I got a couple. So here we go. One in five children in the U.S. have learning and attention issues like dyslexia and ADHD. A third of students with learning differences have repeated a grade. Students with learning differences are more than twice as likely to be suspended as those who do not. The dropout rate for students with LD or learning differences is 18.1%, is nearly three times the rate of all students. More than half, 55% of young adults with LD have been involved with the justice system and low self-esteem and stigma help explain why one in four students with learning differences tell their college, don't tell their college they have a disability, and why only one in 20 young adults with LD receive accommodations in the workplace. So choice, the stats that I just read are discouraging. Do you wanna comment on them before we get into the meat of our discussion? Um, I agree. Yeah, they are definitely discouraging. And what's one of the biggest things is there is such a huge percentage of um, children as well as adults who go uh, undiagnosed with a learning difference or who are uh, misdiagnosed um, with um, other uh, disorders or disabilities other than a learning disability, um, such as ADD or ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very important that uh, you know, like you said, you're you out of research. You have to know um, what it is that you're looking for, number one, but um, understand the importance of, of getting a diagnosis, uh, a proper diagnosis. A pro- right. Yep. So ADHD and dyslexia are like the most recognized learning differences, but can you give me and my listeners some others that are maybe not as well-known or recognized? As a learning difference or a learning disability? Yes. Mm -hmm. So there are many, 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 many um, types of learning disabilities. First of all, a learning disability for the, for your listeners that um, they do not know, uh, there are three types of main learning disabilities. There's a reading disability, a written language disability, and a math disability. Um, These disabilities are also broken down um, into seven main types of learning disabilities, such as dyslexia, which is a language-based learning disability. Um, There are two forms of dyslexia. It can be phonological as well as visual. Okay, there's now, also wait, I, I gotta stop you because you said yes. two, uh, phonological versus visual. visual. Yes. I yes. don't know what that means. So can you break so that down? Phono- just a little phonological bit? dyslexia is where a person has trouble breaking down words according okay. to their sound. 
okay. visual dyslexia is where they don't recognize the sound um, and their brains struggle to remember what the words look like. Okay. Got it. Um, and outside of dyslexia, there's also dysgraphia. Dysgraphia is a is a dis learning difference um, with a diff- difficulty with writing. Okay. Um, then you have uh, dyscalculia, and dyscalculia is a struggle with math. Okay. Um, and then you have um, also um, like auditory processing disorders, language processing disorders, um, nonverbal and vo- verbal. Um, and some of these learning differences, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. are disabilities as they are known as, they all um, they all have, or I would say not all of them, but some of them have similarities to similar similar symptoms to ADHD, which okay. is where um, some students or people may be misdiagnosed or diagnosed with one and not the other because okay. they do show similar symptoms. Um, so you can have multiple learning mm-hmm. differences. Okay. You definitely can have multiple learning differences. Okay. So how do they, if if I'm a parent, because like, I wasn't even aware of half of what you just said. Like, seriously. <laughs> I, I really like all of the, how it break, like dyslexia to me was, oh, I flipped the numbers. Like I made a six or nine or I mm-hmm. made a B and D. Um, I wasn't really aware that it was, broken down into uh, those different subsets. So how can a parent, um, how do they show up in real life? Like you have a kid who may have multiple learning differences. How, how would it show up in their, I guess their schooling or their interactions in school? Oh, they could, which is why sometimes it is, seen as um, it could be a child could be diagnosed with ADHD versus a learning difference um, because a children may show signs such as um, attention issues, poor executive functioning issues, behavior issues, mm-hmm. um, having a hard time focusing. Um, sometimes they um And all of those to say are also symptoms of ADHD. But when you think about um, uh, having a learning difference, it not only plays on your your physical abilities, it also plays on your mental abilities. Um, And so those are things that parents have to look out for or um, when your child no longer wants to go to school or they don't want to do homework or for mm-hmm. a child, it takes an extremely long time to do homework. They may have a processing um, disorder okay. and how they process the work and their and their speed that it takes for them to process. Okay. Or for a student with dyslexia, they also have memory issues. And so when it comes to how their brains are processing um it may slow them down in completing the work that they need to, to complete. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So how are these learned in your opinion, how are learning differences best diagnosed? Number one, um, it, it take a parent truly have to advocate for their child and making sure that they get the proper diagnosis what schools do is they use different types of testing, evaluate, testing and evaluations to mm-hmm. test the child's psychological um, ability and processing and learning. Okay. Um, these tests can be done by school psychologists. It can be done by cl- um, school clinical, clinical psychologists or um, some special educators can also um, do the testing and evaluating as well. Um, so I, I recommend that any parent who believes or has any type of feeling that their child is struggling academically, they want to 
um, speak with their children's teacher and they want to ask that their child, their children um, be evaluated. That's okay. where it starts. Okay. And how early should that begin? Early. The earlier, the better. Got it. Um, elementary school. Okay. Um, because kindergarten? Uh, kin, kin, it's kind of tricky when you say kindergarten because mm-hmm. that is when you look at five, five and six year olds okay. um, and you look at their attention, mm-hmm. um, it gets kind of tricky because right. five and six year olds are not going to sit still. Right. And that's where it could be a learning difference. But then right. they will look at it like, you know, maybe this child just has ADD or ADHD, their right. attention, they're not able to focus, they're not able to sit still. Um, so you can get an evaluation as early as kindergarten. Um, and then as they grow, as they progress in, in age and as they, pro- they progress in grade, mm-hmm. then you can, you will get reevaluated to see okay. where they, where they are. Okay. But um, you do, you want to first send a request. A parent will want to first send a request to their teacher to, to discuss their, um, their concerns okay. um, so that the teacher can begin observing the child so that the teacher can also share work and review the work. And the teacher will also meet with special educators as well as those, um, the counselor and the psychologist and the clinical, um, clinical psychologist as well um, to, to begin the evaluation process. Okay. Now and you yeah. want to do, and sorry to cut you off, no problem. but you want to um, always put, your concerns in writing so you can you can definitely speak to your to your children's teacher but you want to when you want to begin the process you must put it in you yes you must document it It's best to send a letter to the school Mm -hmm. to have that documented that way it is that there's a record okay of when you made the request and then that that's when the school has to start moving right. um, in a timely manner to get these evaluations done, to to do all these observations and things like that. Okay. And how much how much do you believe that the, the teachers that are with these kids eight hours a day, how much do they bear um, some of the weight of connecting with the kids and saying, okay, this, this child is not um, grasping things the way, you know, the majority of the class is and speaking to the parents. Because when I was growing up, labeling of kids with learning differences was not a good thing, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in uh, the BIPOC or or, uh, African-American community. It Mm -hmm. kind of sent them down a path um, that wasn't in because my mom my grandma and my aunt were all teachers and they were they to them labeling was like the worst thing yes yes i agree um and and i'm glad you mentioned that because especially in the african-american um community um we look at labels uh and and first thing that we would say especially if the label is coming from someone of a another mm-hmm. color mm-hmm. Um, is you're not going to label my child. Right. Um, and by doing that, we sometimes miss all the signs that are there. I had to learn as well as a parent with a, with a, a child with a learning difference mm-hmm. that I had to um, remove my feelings of what they were saying. Right. And I had to look at all of the pieces that made this big puzzle. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, the teachers bear a lot. They bear a lot. And when we look at these schools, you have sometimes you have one teacher to 23, 25 kids, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to miss the mark. Um, some teachers are not, most teachers, if they're not um, educated in special education, mm-hmm. they may also miss the signs. Right. They may look at it more so not as a learning difference, but as ADHD. 
because mm-hmm. what they're seeing is they have a classroom full of kids. They have this one child or two children or say five out of the 25. Um, three of those five that are not paying attention could be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Two of them are unruly and causing havoc in their classrooms. And all they're trying to do is teach the curriculum that right. they are required to teach. So right. sometimes it's missed some depending on how close the teacher are to the kids as mm-hmm. well as how big the classroom sizes are and the demands of educators i've i learned very early um to sympathize with educators and all yeah. that they do and this was yeah. pre-pandemic right. pandemic and after pandemic really opened our eyes as, as parents of what yeah. teachers are required in the demands of being an educator. Mm-hmm. But for me, prior to all of that, I had to, I volunteered a lot in my child's school. Okay. And so I will go into the classrooms. I will see what the teachers were up against. And I would talk to my child and I would, I would let him know if you sit in the back of the classroom, you don't raise your hand, you don't participate the teacher's not really going to pay attention to you. The teacher's going to pay attention to those students that, ooh, 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 I I, I, I got the answer. Those who want to be there are those who know it because those kids show them that they're getting the curriculum that the teacher is teaching. But those kids that are struggling, those kids that are quiet, those kids that are, that, that are, that have the behavior issues, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's missed because the teacher's focus is not is not necessarily on what is causing them right to they just, have they're just looking at the bad behavior exactly got exactly it. got it got it got it so i got to ask do you in your personal opinion believe that bipoc uh black indigenous people of color children are more often mislabeled with a uh, uh, ADHD or a learning difference? Yes. And I why do you think do. that is? I think it's because of our culture. I mm-hmm. think it's because of our environment um, and what our children, our African-American children bring um, with them into the classrooms. Um, I think as African-Americans, we are all misdiagnosed in some type of way or treated indifferent when it comes to a diagnosis, whether it's ADHD and learning difference, cancer, uh, mm-hmm. and how we're and how we're treated based right. on those diagnoses. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's my my opinion. Right. Um, when it comes to our African American children and and how they are diagnosed with learning differences in ADHD. It has also a lot to do with education mm-hmm. and what we as parents know right. and how we were raised. Um, we go back to how you said your your grandmother and your mother are educators. Mm-hmm. But I can remember when I was young and I struggled in school and my teacher told my mom that she was going to keep keep me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mother and my mother wouldn't allow that. So my mother showed me advocacy very early on it. And I didn't realize that at a young age, but Mm -hmm. I seen her go to bat for me. You're going to test her. You're going to evaluate her. You're going to show me why you feel like this is what you, she needs to be held back. And if it doesn't line up, it's not going to happen. I found myself doing the exact same thing for my son. I had to educate myself Mm -hmm. and I had to go into the, into the rooms that I was entering with knowledge, yeah, not with attitude, or not emotion. with fight or emotion. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had to remove my emotions and I had to step into the room asking the questions that I needed to ask. I had to be specific with the things that I that I seen because in the beginning because in the beginning for me, um, I went along with what they were telling me because as right. parents, we feel like the educators know. That's what you, Mm -hmm. they know better. This is Mm -hmm. what you are hired to do. And I'm as a mother thinking you have my child's best interest as heart because you are the teacher. Right. But I realized that not all teachers know, not all teachers are educated themselves in these 
these differences mm-hmm. or the signs that a child may have. And sometimes it's just overwhelming for them. Yeah. And when we have, the, go ahead, I'm sorry. And when you have huge class sizes, it doesn't mm-hmm. help. So it meant you missed a mark. You miss, you miss all yeah. the time. And it's unfortunate. So my question to you is how can school systems across the board do better at meeting the needs of kids with learning differences? How I think every, every educator needs to be educated on what it is so that they know what they are looking for. I also think that the whole school system needs to change and they need to be, and this is again, my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, inside of the box learning does not work for everyone. And I learned that you have to meet a child where they are. You can't expect for every child to learn the exact same way. And you have to understand just as educators, as we are trying to teach them what it is that we want to learn, just how we have to learn to teach them, they have to learn how to learn what we're teaching them. And you can't put everybody in the same category and same box. And that's sometimes where the behaviors come from. Because Mm -hmm. when a child doesn't feel heard, then they're Mm -hmm. acting out. When a child is being overstimulated or understimulated or they're not being taught enough, they act out because it may be uninterested to them. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I think the the school systems need to change the way they do things. And parents need to speak up more. Mm -hmm. We are one huge community and I'm a firm believer across the board, whether it's in my home, in the community, in schools, it takes a village and we have to work together as a team and not just one person controlling how everything is done and we're right. not meeting the needs of every child. Every child. So let me ask every. you this. In a perfect world, if you had it to set up, what would a school system look like that oh, works for every child. <laughs> what would it look like? Because th- let me tell you what it would look like for me. It would look like smaller class sizes. Agree. Class sizes with children grouped by the way they learn. So some people are visual learners. Some mm-hmm. people are auditory learners. Some mm-hmm. people are, they can read and learn. And I think some if people you, need to touch yes, to learn. Some people work learners. with their hand kinesthetic, yes. kinesthetic yes. learners. Yes. And that's very important. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is also important for a parent, a child, and an educator to be able to help that child know what their learning profile is. Yes. What is your what is your learning type? How do you learn? And yes. some people may have all of them but need to use them differently in different areas. So for a student who um, has dyslexia, say Mm -hmm. for instance, they they struggle with reading, they struggle with writing, they struggle with spelling, they struggle with language-based learning. So that student may be more Mm hands-on when it comes to um, needing to do certain assignments. But at the same time, They may be visual learners when it comes to, you know, uh, you, you have to know, you have to know what your learning profile is and what works best for you. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer of using your strengths to build your weaknesses and using your weaknesses, using your weaknesses to be able to help you identify what your strengths are. Because sometimes we get caught up with, I can't do because of our struggles and right. then we, we lose sight of what we can do, but using your strengths to build your weaknesses and knowing that we are all unique. We yeah. all, we all do things differently. We learn differently. We process differently. We act different, even with similarities. Right. And I want kiddos to know that I want educators to know that and parents to know that yeah. don't treat everyone the same. Right. Don't, you know, we even we have same house. even in the same house we may have a similar foundation but how we build on that foundation may look different 
So I'm going to play devil's advocate because I'm sure people are going to hear this and be like, well, that'll never work. That'll cost so much money to have a system set up like this. And, you know, because I I believe that the entire uh, curriculum test-based method of learning just doesn't work. Because here's what I know. There are children who know the material, but don't test well. Exactly. And there are children who don't know the material, but test well. Because they memorize. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when when we're having these conversations about how can the school systems be better, I get that it is economics. You know, there are some school systems that have the ability to put the kind of individualized curriculums and classrooms in place more than others. And again, we circle back to, you know, marginalized communities where the the educational dollars are not the same as other communities. Mm-hmm. Correct. So. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then you have some communities that that do have the money, but it's not allocate, allocated the way it's supposed to. Right. Um, number one, I, um, when you asked me um, what would be a perfect school, mm-hmm. um, I think, first, I mean, we got to start with baby steps, but yeah. I think um, smaller classroom sizes make a huge Yes. It makes a huge difference. Yes. And, and I understand, especially now, after we're coming out of the pandemic and we see the struggles with um, staffing educators, staffing um, the clinicals, um, filling the positions for those, Mm -hmm. those clinical positions that are needed. We see that now, now that we're coming out of the pandemics, but it is important to be able to reach every child. And it's just impossible for educators when they have overpopulated classrooms. Yes, I agree. I agree 100%. As when I was in school, I think there were 15 people in my class. And that was a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now it's 20, 25. Mm -hmm. 25. And one teacher. Yeah. And that's, and sometimes they may be a TA in the classroom, TA mm-hmm. being a teacher assistant, mm-hmm. but then that teacher assistant may be assigned as a one-on-one with a student that has a learning difference or a behavioral, um, behavioral, uh, what's called a BIP, uh, a behavioral intervention plan mm-hmm. and may need one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so that still makes it hard for the, hard. for the, the teacher Um, even if there is an extra person in the classroom. So if they were able to have smaller classroom sizes, as well as co-teachers in a classroom, in Mm -hmm. every classroom, I think that that will help smaller groups. Absolutely. um, And teaching kids where they learn, you know, and and, and don't dismiss them. And how about you pay your teachers more? Mm. How about that? And then you might not have such a shortage of qualified teachers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like have breakouts where there can be, maybe there's one big class, but then there's breakouts where the kids who learn this way are here and this way here and this way over here. You know what I mean? I do. I do. So, ma'am, talk to me about Beautiful Minds LLC. Tell me the why, the what, the how of what you do. All right. So Beautiful Minds LLC um, is a a educational therapy advocacy and consulting company Mm -hmm. that I started in 2019. Um, I formed this company because I wanted to, as a parent, again, with a student with a learning difference, um, I um, weathered the storms of special education Uh, and learning special education mm -hmm. and understanding special education. And I seen the struggles that my child had um, in the classrooms in public schools. I pulled them from public and put them in private um, for him to be able to get a, a, um, a, be able to, for him to be able to be taught in a way that he need, 
needed yeah. to learn. And I seen that that wasn't happening in the public schools. I'm not knocking public schools. I'm not against public schools. It mm-hmm. works for some and it doesn't work for everyone. And it wasn't working for my child. Right. And so um, I formed Beautiful Minds as a way for me to not only work with kids with learning differences and be able to help them to see their uniqueness, mm-hmm. to build them emotionally, um, physically, mentally, and learning and learning um learning in a way that was best for them. I also right. wanted to uh, educate parents um, and and help them to understand that they weren't alone. Because when you go into these meetings, IEP meetings, 504 yeah. meetings, yeah. it it's a lot. It's emotional. It's uh, confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you walk in there defeated. You walk out defeated. And I didn't want other parents to feel the way that I felt. And I felt the most confident when I educated myself. And the more that I learned, I wanted to be able to teach other people Mm -hmm. so that they also were, would be able to walk into these, to these meetings, walk into the classrooms of their children and be confident that their child is going to get the best education for them and they're going to get the support and the accommodations that they need. Um, and so that's that's why I formed it. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and I, I'm just looking for it to continue to grow because I, I see as I'm helping other people, um, other families, um, they are also able to help other families. Um, and, and that's, that's what it's about, you know, that's what it's about. I love it. I love it. So somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, number one, we need to to break down the stigma about having learning differences Mm because most people have some learning difference and I love that you call it a difference because it's not a disability it's just different I just learn different exactly Um, so somebody reaches out to beautiful minds what do they what can they expect from you because um, I don't know a lot of stuff is state specific right Mm -hmm. Um, but there are some things that are universal so what do they get from you like a parent that's listening and they hit you up, what can they expect from you? Understanding. Okay. (laughs) Understanding. (laughs) They can expect encouragement. They can expect motivation. They can expect um, support. They can expect um, someone that they can just lean on and not feel like they are going through this alone. Um, Everything I do from uh, Beautiful Minds, perspective, whether it's from the educational side or whether it's from the grieving side, it's always to encourage those that I work with, that, I, that, that I'm dealing with, and knowing that you are not in this alone and okay. that there is someone out there that's going to support you and walk with you along the way. Um, what, no matter if you're in Maryland, where I am, if you're in D.C., Virginia, or any other states, I take pride in educating myself on the rights of a parent, the rights that parents have in the area that they are in, um, as well as the right of their children. That way, you know what applies to you. I know what I'm, the information that I'm giving you applies to you where you are. And I don't have all the answers, but I do take pride in finding those answers and helping you to find those answers. Here, where I am, I serve families in the DMV area, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And I go to IEP meetings um, and I sit there in those meetings and I support you. I I meet with you before those meetings. We, We have consults before the meeting to, if you need me to help you review your children's IEP, to help you get a better understanding with all that mumbo jumbo, all those words that they throw (laughs) on the paper, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, and and some children's IEPs are huge depending on their needs, depending on their accommodations. And so I support you in that way and helping you to understand the, the IEP, understanding the, the, um, what supports and accommodations and modifications that are out there and, and just giving to you what it is that you are lacking as a parent 
that I'm able to give you as a parent myself with a child with a learning difference as as well as a professional. Right. Now, your company works with parents with children in public and private schools? Yes, I do. Okay. And I'm going to circle back real quick because you pulled your child from public school and put him in private. And I wanted to just get a little bit of understanding about why that was. Was that because the public school was not willing or able to accommodate? They, I did not feel like they were able to accommodate. I seen the light leave my child's eyes. And not only was he being bullied by his peers, he was being bullied by his, by his, by the educators, by the teachers, Mm -hmm. and he lost all confidence. Um, It was a struggle to get him up in the mornings to get him to go to school. It was hard to encourage him because he didn't trust and believe in the words that I was saying to him because he was hearing so many negative words elsewhere. Um, I pulled him from the public school because I felt like they weren't able to provide him with the education that he needed. Um, After trying, um, don't don't get me wrong, um, chance after chance after chance, and you just get to a point where it's just like, at what point do you realize that it's not working? Right. And before before anything was to happen to my child, I felt like I needed to put him in a place that was going to help relight the fire inside of him. Mm-hmm. He was he right. had lost confidence in himself as I said. He was no longer motivated. He no longer loved his favorite subjects. He no longer wanted to go to school. It, right. And it was a struggle as a parent to watch that. And yeah. once I would put him in a school that specialized specialized in teaching kiddos with learning differences, okay, a little at a time, the light, the light came back began yeah. to come back <laughs> on. And it took some time. And right. he's a senior now in high school, um, okay. and uh, about to graduate, and. I've watched his journey because of course I'm walking this journey with him, but I see how, how each grade things look different. And not only did he had to find his passion for learning again, we had to rebuild his confidence. Yeah. And we're still working on that because that's, that's a part of what I do with beautiful minds. People don't realize that, students with learning differences, they're not only struggling academically, they're struggling emotionally. Mm-hmm. They're struggling mentally because mm-hmm. they're different. They're yeah. learning different and they look different. They mm-hmm. act different. And right. that plays a factor, especially in this world that we live in where yeah. everybody um, want to be the same. Right. Where social media makes you feel like being different, there's something wrong with you. And yes. so, yes, that's that's why that's okay. why I did what I did for my child, and I feel like that was the best move ever. <laughs> yeah, him. and sometimes that's that's you have to do absolutely what's best for your kid and anybody that's listening. Yeah. That's a takeaway. I mean, yeah. public schools are amazing. Like I said, uh, I've got I'm, I'm generations in in public school education. Um, so, but it's not always or can always be the best thing for every kid. Yeah. Yeah. So you have um, to know what their needs are. Absolutely. And if and they're that, not being provided with that, then you have to do what's best for them. Absolutely. And parents that that are listening to this, if you don't know the signs, if you don't know, like you, you're looking at your kid in the way that they they interact even with their toys or the the little books that you give them and you think there's a problem reach out and get help so you can learn how they learn once you learn how they learn and you can explain that to other people yes exactly so miss choice simmons and i love your name by the way 
Thank um, you. And you give me um, some last thoughts for my listeners um, in reference to learning differences to the parents that are going to listen to this. What would you like to leave them with? Um, I would like for a parent to know that um, it's okay that you don't know everything, um, but also understand that you as the parents have rights. You have rights as well as your children. They have rights to a free education. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it doesn't seem as if um, you're getting anywhere within your school systems, but keep, keep pushing, Mm -hmm. keep asking questions, keep going to the people who you need to go to, to get the answers that you get in order for your children to get what it is that they need. Um, I want people, people to also understand that any student or person with a learning difference, they don't go away. Mm-hmm. You just learn the tools to be able to function better within your learning difference um, and start early. Mm-hmm. Don't take no for an answer. I had so many no's that I had to turn them into yeses. I was, I was persistent because my child is my life. Right. And so have, have the understanding that I don't want any parent to think that um, they don't have the right to speak up and advocate for their child because they do. Um, and that's exactly what they, what they should do. Mm-hmm. But I want to say to our African-American community, don't look at the stereotype. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up on the labels. Mm-hmm. Understand and educate yourself on what you need to know so that you are better able to communicate with the educators and the admins and those people that are in the school that make the decisions in the school system for your children. Fight, but fight fair, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Fight, but fight fair. Is there's a way that you fight and you don't have to go in there, uh, guns are blazing, ready to cut people up and things like that. You have to know how to how to fight there. Uh, I don't know if you're going to edit that. Oh, you know I'm not. <laughs> but truly, you have to you have to fight fair and 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 know that I say fight fair, but let me let me be clear on that. You right. don't have to fight if you really know what you what need you to know. know. Yeah. Amen. And if you know, if you need the support, get the support. I have yeah. plenty of parents who have told me once I start working with them that when I start going to IEP meetings with them, that thing, they, they felt different. Mm-hmm. And not only did they feel different, the people, other people in the room acted differently. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. there's free support out there, sometimes yeah. you have to pay. Um, but it's worth it. Yeah. Cause your kid is worth it and you exactly. are their advocate. So and teach your kid to advocate for them, for themselves yes, as well. As they get older, I, I, as, they get, as they get older, I, I will leave them with that as well. Teach your kids to advocate for themselves as well, because we're not always going to be with them and they have to be able to speak up for themselves and tell yeah. people whether they're in elementary school, middle school, high school, young adult to old adult, they have yep. to be able to tell people what their needs are. So if they yep. have a learning difference and they need special accommodations or modifications, mm-hmm. they need to be able to say that. They need to be able to speak up and ask for help. It is nothing wrong yep. with asking for help. Not no you shame. parent and not you, cho- not you kids. There's yep. no shame in asking for help because we can't do it by That's ourselves. Right. Amen. Thank you so much. And listen, how can my listeners connect with you and Beautiful Minds? So you can email me at, I have such a long email address. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh gosh, you can you can can connect with me um via email, which is beautiful minds with an S C C L L C at gmail.com. You can reach me on Facebook at my name, Choice with a Y Simmons. Um, you can also contact me by phone. I'm just a phone call away. Um 2406 no, 240-780-8535. Um, and yeah, those are easy ways that you can contact me. Okay. Oh, Choice, thank you. Listen, this is such an important conversation. I have a nephew that has learning differences. My grandson has learning differences. I believe my granddaughter, my youngest granddaughter does too. So, yeah. um, And just I, to tell you, it's hereditary. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that if the, if if one has it, it's because somewhere down our generational line, someone had it. Right. I had it at a younger age. My son's yep. dad had it at a younger age, which ultimately it shows because our child has it. And so sure. it's it's a know your history, know your family history, your family medical history is also yep. very important. Agreed. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for that. That was a good reminder because sometimes you got to go back and ask grandma, like, mm-hmm. did you, you know, I, I noticed in like your recipe books, there's like things flipped around. They were, you know, mm-hmm. dyslexic or whatever. But back then, because of the stigma and uh, the shame around it, people just didn't exactly. really talk about it. That so, is so true. So true. <laughs> Nor did uh, nor did they like labels. Nor did they nor like did, labels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nor did they like labels. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. for a long time in in the school system, labels weren't a good thing. At least not for African American children, they weren't. Correct. It just kind of put them into this this short yellow bus box, and you know, mm-hmm. they the special education system was not very good. Um, I think yeah. it's getting better, but I I think the school system, public school systems as a whole have a long way to go. They um, really, really do. And, you know, we, I tell young people and, and um, I'm pretty sure we've heard it as well. It's not what they call you it's what you answer to. Amen. And I had to, I had to start helping parents to also see that they, they look at it like these, they're not going to label my child. And I, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. I've told parents, if that's the label that they want to give them in order for you to get the services that your child needs, then you take that label because that's right. what's written on paper and right. you get all yeah. the services, accommodation and modifications that your child needs and understand that there, there's always going to be a reevaluation. And as a parent, you have the right to call any type of meeting if you have any type of concerns, yeah. as well as you, you have the right to ask that um, documents are amended and changed. So if they start off by saying, which is what they did for my child, because I was once to a parent that said, you're not going to label my child. Because Mm -hmm. when I told them that he had dyslexia, they said he had ADHD. But Mm -hmm. I knew that it wasn't that. But then I had to change my thinking. I had to change the way I looked at it. And I also had to look at it like, okay, do he? Maybe mm-hmm. they see something that I um, am not ready to see. So let me right. see what they're talking about, but let me also make sure I reiterate and that they understand that this is what I see as a parent. So we're going right. to look at both sides. We're not going to just right. look at your side. But right. if saying that he has this is what it takes for him to get the help that he needs in the yep. classroom, then okay. Okay. But when that changes, then documents change. Yes. Yes, I agree. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, ma'am. This You're has been so an amazing, amazing chat. And listen, guys, I know her contact info is long, so you already know <laughs> it's all gonna be in the show notes with clickable links. So you can yes. reach out to um I am not gonna put your phone number in the show notes. But okay. I will put your email and your Facebook and people can reach out to you there. Um, okay, that's great. So, yeah, guys, listen, Choice Simmons, thank you so much for what you do. Um, 
with grief and grieving and as an educational therapist that that intersection is amazing to me and I appreciate what you do what you've done for your son and what you are doing for other parents with children with learning differences people they're just differences not disabilities that's right yes thank you so much Chris and I really appreciate um you taking the time out to speak with me on this topic because it is necessary um And it's a topic that we all have to continue to talk about um, moving forward when it comes to how we educate our children. Um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak to your listeners and educate them and be able to serve them and help them in whatever ways that they need help. So thank you. All right, y'all. So if any of you have children, because listen, the children truly are our future. Long mm-hmm. after you and I are gone, they'll be here, and we want them to be the best versions of themselves. Um, and that starts with how they learn and being able to learn how they learn so they can learn. Oh, I like exactly. that. Exactly. I love that, too. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am, so very, very much. And listen, guys, again, Choices, Contact Information, Beautiful Minds, uh, Facebook uh, information will be in the show notes. I want you guys to don't forget to visit my website at www.thecandidshop.com, Candid with a K, and choice is choice, C-H-O-Y-C-E. So if you're searching for her, don't spell choice the regular way because it's different. (laughs) Um, So go over, pop over to the website, check out a few episodes. Choice was on the grief and grieving episode, which was amazing. Um, Thank you. Subscribe to the show, share the show, make sure you're following the show on Facebook, IG, and TikTok at The Candid Shop Podcast. And until the next time, y'all know I want you to do what? Keep it safe, keep it healthy, and keep it candid.